Today I'm checking in with two incredible artists who have paid their dues many times over, Tribeca and Grand Agent. The duo first met on tour when Becca was working with Camp Low and stayed working throughout the years, but recently completed a collaborative album, Sport of the Gods, as the duo Tribeca Grand. In this conversation, we talk about how the project finally came to be, how they've maintained their longevity in the game, the differences between Philly and NYC, their collaborative process, and much more. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher, and please hit us with those stars on iTunes. And follow the links on ProfileWild.com for my books. Tribeca Grand Agent, congratulations, Sport of the Gods is out. How does it feel to finally have the project out and, and this collaborative effort available for everybody to hear? Uh, well, you know, it's always a, a great feeling when you get through all the steps of uh, making a project, you know what I mean? And um, <clears throat> I think when we heard the finished product of this one, uh, speaking for myself, I think we both expressed this to each other that it definitely um, kind of gave us both a new new spin on our career, kind of let us see all the hard work and years of effort and, and uh, everything that we learned in the game, in the culture, kind of all funneled down into this one project. So it definitely, for me, was like a new first album. You know what I'm saying? That's how I felt, for sure. I would I would definitely second that in the sense of um like when he, he he spoke about just everything we learned through the years of how to put music together and and just just actually having a combined effort of what he been through what I've been through and just putting those ideas together it, it definitely gave a feel like it was something brand new fresh that like I haven't done before I was I was excited and happy to let the world hear. Definitely. So have, have you guys always been cool throughout the years? Like, how did this really come about? And you're, you know, because I haven't seen a whole lot of collaborations between you guys. So how did you guys really get cool and, and say we should do this project? Oh, uh, well, <clears throat> it started back in 2004. Uh, there was a tour called the Traditional Rap Tour. It was, uh, headed by Camp Lowe, uh, Ty J of uh, Hieroglyphics, and myself. And um, as you may know or may not know, uh, you know, he'll get into it. Tribeca is a affiliate of Camp Lowe, and he was on the tour. And um, that's how we met. You know, it was a long tour. It was a lot of um, driving and being in close quarters and everybody playing there, you know, unreleased music or, you know, Tribeca was playing a lot of beats. And uh, one particular caught my ear that I really felt strongly about. And after the tour was over, you know, I got with him and kind of laid the framework for the first collaboration, which was a joint called Minivan, which was actually inspired by the tour because we was rolling in minivans. And um, kind of was able to complete the whole circle by getting camp blow on it and uh it came out really good you know and that was the first collaboration that we did so that's going all the way back to you know 2004 it didn't really come out for some time after that but so that that was the initial how we linked up and uh you know i'll let Tribeca pick it up from there 
Yeah, so from from there, you know, relationships, that, that's when the internet, I guess the internet really started bubbling and keeping, you know, people that were at a distance and, and, and close connection. Um, so, you know, we, we stood in contact and obviously I still was making beats and shipping them out there. Um, you know, as we're sending joints and talking to each other, I think we came up with, uh, we was working on the EP, the mega, e, uh, a mega EP, which is actually the first, I guess, collaborative effort at the album, um, that was released. And what well, was it? Five, five joints on there. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Five, maybe six. Five, maybe six. So we did, we did that. I was fully on production on that joint and GA laid down the, the, the rhyme situation and, you know, we, the energy was definitely building. Like, Mega, that was a huge track for me. Like, once I first heard that, it was it, it didn't sound like anything. So I know we was getting somewhere as far as being original and being creative and still able to create, even though we wasn't in the same room together. And from there, we did that EP, and then we had did uh, I'll Go Hard, which GA could break that down. That was our first, um, I guess, Tribeca Grand in a in a total platform. Right, right. So when that joint, so that's after the EP, and uh, I think we was just kind of. It's, it's funny, it's similar how we <clears throat> actually came up with NY Five. It was kind of we was just, I think, trying to fill kill some time or, or fill a little void or ride some momentum. So I go hard came <clears throat> in 2015, I believe. And um, it was just the first situation where we both rhymed kind of back and forth. And that just, um, I don't know, that just, I, I, I don't know, I can't personally say I saw it at the time, that that's what was happening, but it definitely brought in the whole horizons of what was possible, you know, um, because it kind of went from a, I say it like it went from like a, a gang star situation to like a mob deep type situation. You know, it's like it just it just made it more dynamic with both of us rhyming, and I think it also made for me it definitely made the workload easier. And you know, it just you, you know what I'm saying, and it just it just gives you more um, fodder for ideas. So after that, we never really went back to just me rhyming, you know what I'm saying? And from I Go Hard, we kind of just, you know, by that time I was living in L.A. <clears throat> and, um, you know, like Tribeca said, he was sending joints and every once in a while I'd get a little spark of inspiration. I'd do something, send it to him or vice versa. And, you know, by 2.15, late 2.15, we was already starting to compile some of these that, that ended up on this album. And then, um, you know, kind of fell off. I mean, not so. We kind of fell out of communication for for whatever reasons. And then, um, you know, I ended up coming back to the East Coast, and <clears throat> we kind of picked that up late. <clears throat> excuse me, late last year. And once we went back and reviewed everything that was in the can, we were just like, oh, we gotta, you know, we gotta solidify. It. And then it was just a matter of the last three or four joints, and. um yeah, we was kind of. I think then we knew, like, okay, this is this is something that has to happen. Supposed to be happening. However you want to say it, you know what I mean? Right. 
No doubt. So, so what is your chemistry like in that creative process as you put songs together? You know, how how do you guys work together on that? Well, I, I think it's it, uh, it's crazy. So, I, I believe I'm not heavy astro, uh, you know, with, with with astronomy and signs, but we're both Tauruses. Um, I think our characters are different. Like GA sounds more aggressive probably uh, i mean uh less aggressive on the track right as tone and i sound a little bit more aggressive but in person we're probably a little bit different you know what i'm saying but the, the vibe and energy is normally based on um concepts like i have a joint like every beat i make i i got a rhyme to or I'll probably i'll come up with a hook i don't necessarily lay it down i'll send it off to him and it's a total different song what? It'd be hot. This shit is just dope. It, it's just one of those things where where the ideas that I think of, they don't necessarily always work. So I send it off to him and or I might send him a joint with a hook on it and he'll come back and he'll give it a twist with the with concept um like the the rhyme scheme or like if there's a bridge. So it's it's I would say it's more freedom, like it's just you could send it off and and if I'm not mistaken, GA, we don't really revamp records. Like it's kind of like you, he, I send them, he, he send them back, and the songs are pretty done. So the chemistry is, is, is based on the freedom to, to pretty much do what we feel, and our partner actually enjoying that. You know what I'm saying? Like like wholeheartedly yeah. just liking the record. Yeah, no doubt. <clears throat> I mean, when I get the drinks, it's kind of like. You know, it's like, for me, all creative stuff, it's kind of like a puzzle. You know what I mean? You know, for me anyway, and I know it's, uh, I could pretty much speak for Tribeca. I mean, you know what's good is we both got a a good sense of songwriting from the perspective of, you know, the whole emotional arc. Like, it's the beginning, the middle, the end. You know what I mean? Like, you're supposed to get an idea, you're supposed to feel something here, it's supposed to be a break. You know, like, we both got that innately, and that's something we always um, put into it. So when I get it, it's just like a puzzle. Like, okay, you know, at most, it's like, move this here, move that here. And, you know, sometimes we'll both do that, you know, based on what we get, or, you know, Tribeca might do Atlas for me, or, you know, like, we just take it, and see how we can complete the puzzle. And I I mean, so that make it fun, you know, that make it an adventure. And I think the fact that we both get to sit with it individually kinda give us um, you know, kinda the touch on that freedom. It's like we not standing over each other like, ah, let's try this, let's try that. Let's you know what I mean? It's like I tried, you know, twenty, thirty things that he didn't hear. You know what I'm saying? I just kind of settle on the ones that I'd be like, okay, I think this might work. And usually I just let his yay or nay be, like, I'm cool with it. You know, that's the other thing that took me a long time to learn, but I've also been able to keep it pretty much in the forefront in this situation. It's like, it don't, it don't always got to be my idea. You know what I'm saying? It don't always got to be the way I thought it or heard it. And, um, I mean, even I Go Hard was like that. I wasn't necessarily like, oh, okay. You know, but I was just like, let me see if I could just fit my 
my part into this, you know, to the situation. And that, you know, I guess that's what, what teamwork is, basically. And um, coming from being a solo artist, where everything is basically, I got the last, you know, the final say, that's, um, it seems like you're giving up something when you first look at it, but you gain a lot more, too. So that's just kind of the benefit of it, you know what I mean? Definitely, and and, and, I, and I gotta say, listening to the album, I really like the the way you guys bounce off each other and the different energies and and delivery styles and cadences you guys bring. I think it definitely complements each other really well. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, appreciate that. And so, looking at a song like "NY to Philly," you know, love the video, by the way, um, and the the way you guys shot that, and and just the overall vibe of the song. Um, also, you guys, you guys pull from and, and sample cool like that you know how did you draw upon that the original song from diggable planets for inspiration and how you did that well i mean we were at that point in time we was coming off of um taking the taking these single which was you know we ran into some success um and we just felt like we wasn't really ready to put the album out yet like we felt like it was more time. We felt like we could we could have built a little, um, what more to the base. So we the idea was we need a filler song. We need something to, to buy us a month or two that we could put out, and you know it won't be a, a, a total waste. And ironically, New York the city was born. But you know, I had I had an idea to sample um, the boys to men. Uh, the Motel Philly back again. And I, I sampled it, chopped it. I, I, the beat came out dope, but it didn't run. It, it wasn't the move we was looking for. So I believe UGA was saying, like, we was, look, we was talking about, like, sampling something else or flipping something else, and he came up with the, um, the fool like that. So I, I went. I, I went straight to iTunes, got the record, listen to it and it was pretty obvious right like the horns are really rocking um you know they the bass line is live so i just chopped all those sounds and kind of recreated it my way i threw some you know chopped up drums over it the melody was there and i knew that the beat was dope at that point so i, I sent i sent both of those beats off the ga and ga actually sent back the um the cool like that flip which is now nyphi with the chorus on it. And he, if verbatim, the email was like, yo, I don't know, I don't know what you think. And I, <laughs> I'm like, yo, you bugging, this shit is crazy. Like, this, this is nuts. And it, it wasn't, I don't think it was the full hook, I think it was just really the harmony part, but I, I was sold at that point. So we went right, right from there, you know, the song was done in pretty much a day. Um, and, and, and New York City was, was, was born, you know, number one college radio joint, which was, and it, it lends to, like, you don't really know what's ever going to happen to the music. Like, you can have ideas for it, put it out just to fill, like, we just wanted to fill some time, and that that became a smash for us. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have really much to add. I'll just say that... Um, I think, um, I don't know, obviously, the, I, I guess the only real risk involved with that, which we discussed, was the 
using cool like that. But, you know, I mean, that's what really put it over the top. You know what I'm saying? And now that I see people's response to it, you know, what what came out of discussion was like, it's a classic throwback that nobody ever puts in a classic throwback set. So it was just like an overlooked, it was just something like sitting on the side of the road and we picked it up and it was just like, oh, you know, so, you know, I mean, what, what can you say? You never know what people are going to latch on to, but I don't know. To me, I just saw it as like another sign that, all right, this is, we doing the right thing. You know what I mean? Keep going. That's how I saw it. But it was definitely a great feeling for sure. No doubt. And and as two experts, you know, GA, you being from Philly, Tribeca from the Bronx, you know, what do you guys see as the main differences between New York and Philadelphia? Because um, obviously, you know, you guys are the ones who could really speak on that. <laughs> um, in terms of just cities or the music coming out or what? What do you mean exactly? Uh, anything you know in ter- in terms of just the overall vibe and 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 culture versus the music what mm. what, what, what do you mm. see as as the big differences because I, i've been to both but never having lived in either right. one i can't really c- consider myself an expert there well i guess from my vantage point um okay it's they both tough cities where you got to keep your your veneer up, you know what I'm saying? You can't really let a whole lot um, in or give the appearance of being soft or nothing like that. But I feel like uh, Philadelphia is a little bit more, um, how can I say it? They're a little bit more flexible in that regard. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's a cold chip on your shoulder kind of, city, but um, I feel like you get more of the benefit of the doubt in some ways, right? Like on a maybe on a street level. But on a, on a level of like getting on a stage and performing or something like that, like, you know, Philly is famous for throwing snowballs at Santa Claus and not like performing in Philly to me, in my experience, it's harder than, I mean, if you start from scratch with an unknown record, you're an unknown person, you just get on stage and do your thing. Like, I never felt as intimidated in New York or anywhere as I felt in Philly because I knew what the crowd was capable of. You know what I'm saying? So I think they kind of complement each other in certain ways where, um, like, if I, if I grew up in New York, like, when I lived in L.A., I noticed, okay, um, and this is not to say anything about anybody, but, like, if you live in a town where there's it's a worldwide center of, you, you could say, especially in New York, I think it worked out because it was a music industry already there before hip-hop came along. So if you know in your mind, if I do X, Y, and Z, and then I go downtown, and I could probably get a deal, you know, like, you got a different approach to it. Where in Philly, you know what I'm saying, you ain't necessarily had it. You always had one or two powerhouses in Philly, going all the way back to, you know, American Bandstand starting in Philly. You know, then it was a label, Cameo Parkway. Then it was Gamble and Huff. 
But it's always, and then it was the roots. It'd always be one powerhouse. It'd be like just, just a little bit enough of an industry to let you know you can get in the game. But they rarely, rarely make it easy for you to get into that clique. Like, if you notice, I never, well, not never, but I rarely been involved in any root stuff. And I was for many years the number one underground rapper in the city. You know what I'm saying? So it's not easy there. I feel like if I grew up in New York, it'd probably been a lot easier to be like, you know, jump to some click, get it, you know, and it's a long way to answer, but I'm just trying to give you my perspective of, I think it's just, it's a, it's a difference in um, motivation. You know what I'm saying? Like if you from Philly and you doing this shit, like you got to really want to do this shit because it might not go nowhere ever in terms of making a career. You know what I'm saying? If you don't get out of Philly. So that's just been my experience. <clears throat> Yeah, that's that's real. I would I would say to to add to that point, it's it's extremely true. You have every I mean, I'm sure today everywhere you got rappers, but even coming up like the late nineties, around every corner there was somebody trying to get it because they knew somebody or they had a contact to somebody that can get them in a label or get them a meeting. So those it was always easy easier to think that you could actually get inside the business. So it wasn't so revered at the point of like, I could actually be a rapper and they'll be self doubt. Nah, people was really, you could be the worst MC in the world, but if you had people following you or you had people, you know, you had a show that you could, you could get 20 people there and the crowd looks a little good. You probably thought you was doing it. And, and, it, it's it's worse now, but it definitely was going on in like the early 2000s, late 90s, where you know it started to get really flooded. And I could only I wasn't really in Philly at at that point, but I could only imagine that it was it was opposite. But it's you know Philly is not extremely far, so if you knew, so you take um you know like state property, for instance, um joining a crew like Rockefeller. That only add, that only adds to Rockefeller's powerhouse and making state property, you know, bubble and silly. But that drive is what two hours. You know what I'm saying? So once they got the connection, it worked in their favor. And you know, and, and I think that's what you see a lot with um with like New York Philly acts. Like I think uh, two of our shows were in Philly so far. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's like once we we connected that way with people out there. It's an easy, it's an easy commute. So once you get there, it's probably a, a great thing, but I'm I'm sure it's probably extremely difficult for for Philly act to get into the New York scene versus the New York scene getting into Philly. Yeah, no doubt. <clears throat> no doubt. And so you know, you, you mentioned too earlier the Take a Knee song, which I wanted to get to. And I don't know if you, I'm sure you saw that yesterday the NFL came out and said they're not going to punish players who protest now. You know, you look at Take a Knee and, and all the subjects you talk about there in terms of social justice and the, the injustice that's, you know, currently in America and never really went anywhere. What do you think about the way the NFL has handled the kneeling policy um, as well as just the response overall to Take a Knee? 
Well, that was news to me. I didn't even hear that. I just, uh, this is like the first thing I've done today is talk to you. So <laughs> that's, that's, that's news to me. Um, you know, man, I guess, um, like a lot of decisions, um, uh, in America, especially ones that have to have a public face on them. Um, you know, it's like the people who stand to lose or benefit whatever they value and have at the same time the voice and the comfort to make that um, a priority are going to say and do what works for them in the moment. You know, I don't know uh, what may have gone on behind the scenes or what was said leading up to this reversal in the policy, but... You know, I mean, I think about, um, you know, I just look at America really as, you know, our number one product is more or less bullshit, you know, entertainment. You know, our, our pop culture is the most thing we we export around the world. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like here at home, it's the most thing that influences and shapes the way people think and behave. And that's, you know, the news is part of that. You know, the records that we and everybody else makes is part of that, TV shows, Netflix. So, you know, um, I feel like um, when things really uh, change, if you want to say change, or some shift or some revolution comes along, I think it kind of has to happen almost like, cosmically like you know you look at the me too situation you know what i'm saying um that shit just feels like a, you know like what one person could really say they set that off yeah maybe one woman said this i think things come with time and evolution and um you know we'll, we'll see how all of this plays out but you know i mean the taking the conversation is really about police interaction and, and, and other shit. So, you know, what difference does it really make if, if they find a player or not? You know what I'm saying? It's like, when does this hit, you know, momentum enough where I guess to equate it to, to the Me Too shit when cop after cop after cop after cop gets arrested or, you know, prosecuted or, you know what I'm saying? It's like, that's really the momentum the shit need to build up to. How that happens, yeah, protest is part of that. You know, I think time is part of that. I think, you know, hopefully we get beyond this presidency and, you know, some people start to age out and die out and, you know, maybe we got a majority of people who, even if they move into them same powerful positions, they're going to have the same temptations, but maybe they have grown up a little bit differently so they can actually think a little bit differently about how to address things. So I kind of see it as the end result of what really is aiming at. It's kind of like an evolutionary thing, you know what I'm saying? But, um, you know, it's just kind of wild to see all the vivid, you know, calling the cops on kids, calling the cops on this person. The shit just feels like, nothing has ever changed. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so it's, it's kind of a trick right now, but, um, yeah, I don't know, you know, um, yeah, that's, that's my piece on that, man. Do, do you feel, yeah, too? I, 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 go ahead, go ahead. Oh, sorry, Becca. Didn't mean to cut you off. No, I, I was, I was just gonna, um, reiterate that 
the, the whole take a knee situation and everybody involved in whatever means, like the NFL, that's just a reaction to an action. You know what I'm saying? Like, but it, it's it's beyond it's beyond the knee. You know what I'm saying? It's it's past that. It's, it's about you know the young individuals that are losing their life in the inner city. Pretty much, majority of them, it doesn't warrant to lose your life. So, you know, it's the, it's the injustice. We are, and that's what we're, that's what our song Taking Me is about. We're just, we're just uh, reminding everyone that, you know, that's why, this is why he took me. And we're mentioning, you know, majority of that, those um, topics inside of the song. So we just want to reiterate, you know, that's what, we don't ever want to really lose sight of what taking me is, is is truly about um the nfl they're going to do whatever they're going to do there's going to be a lot to go on during this season i'm sure because i did hear i didn't hear what what you mentioned about the reversal but i did hear that that the uh, miami dolphins they plan their own discipline like they they already got something in pocket that they're they're going to find um players or something like that so yeah, they're they're calling it conduct detri- detrimental to the team is how they're right. they're looking right. at it, which is crazy. Yeah. So, looking to the "Let's All Get Funky" remixes, you know, you guys definitely you know got some international um, help there. How important was it for you guys to take? take it to other countries and, and just take that global approach to the song. Well, first, mm. out to all the artists that, um, that, you know, collaborated with us, we reached out and everybody was receptive, um, to the idea. I mean, I think that's what me and GA is about. Like he lived in Germany for two years. He was embedded in that culture. He was rocking out there. I've, I've been France two times and for, some other um, European spots. So, you know, we know that hip-hop is grand out there, no pun intended. It's, it's really it's really going on. Like, the shows are always live. You know, they, they're always, especially with the internet base, like, I probably, every other week, there's a, a, a producer from from Europe hitting me up wanting to work. Um, So they're, they're well in tune to, to what's going on. So, you know, I, I know for me, I'm not even sure how the idea developed, but I thought it was a great idea just to have different voices from around the world. Like I was even trying to expand it to like Japan and, and, and other spots because the culture of hip hop is so broad today and to limit yourself just to, to one uh, market, you know, you're not really doing yourself any favors. So, so, I was all I was all for it. I thought it came out really well, and that was an opportunity for for some up and coming artists to to really get their shine on a on a different level. So I was with it. Yeah, I think it was. Um, I don't remember how it came about either, but um, I definitely felt um, you know it's it's, it's kind of like it's a tribute to people who've been paying tribute to us. You know what I'm saying? It's like right, right. you know. We both had situations where more or less, I ain't going to say we had to go, but if we wanted to, something to pop off sooner than later, 
we both found opportunities in Europe, you know what I'm saying, like um, early on for me. And I kind of like it's you know, you go where the love is, you go where the support is, and um, to, to kind of get that back to them, I, you know, I, I just felt like it's just a cool idea. And I think in terms of kind of signifying that hip-hop is this global thing, you know, what better track for it to be on than the most standard hip-hop beat, you know what I'm saying, of all time. So it kind of worked out, I felt like, thematically, too. It was real open for everybody to kind of do their version of hip-hop, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's, it's Impeach the President, it's African Band Body, it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's let's all get funky, it's inclusive. It, you know, it kind of was just like, Without knowing it, it was set up for that, and um, you know, it's 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 something I think that people will look back on it at some time and say like, yo, that was that was kind of cool right there. And you know, we never know what these artists, these guys are going to become. So yeah, it was cool. It was it was like a a, a pay it forward kind of situation. I felt like you know what I mean. Right. Right. Yeah, that that's awesome. You know, and. Oh, the ultimate edition was cool to listen to where you had a lot of your lost tracks, both of you, and just hearing what you guys had in the stash and, and some throwbacks. What was it like putting that together and taking that trip down memory lane? That was, that was, that was an interesting concept. I mean, songs like, and that's not even it, even to, to, to sidetrack, um, you know, 7.30 you do beats, I got a ton of like an album we did. So when you're going through all this music and it, it takes you back to a time, and I, I believe I gave, I probably gave like 20, 30 songs, but you know, it had to be, it had to be compacted into to what the mixtape was. And then for me as a listener, I didn't really know what GA was submitting. You know what I'm saying? So it, it wasn't put together on, on my side. So, getting it back and playing it back, it kind of lended. You see how how much in tune the music is without even hearing or knowing what song a person has done. So it, it was tastefully put together. And I, I saw it. I listen to that joint. I go to work. I throw that joint on and play straight through. It's a, it's a great mix of music. Dude, and Becca was... Yeah, I didn't know. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I didn't know either what... Tribeca was putting into it, and um, I just kind of gave him to the guy who, who put it together. And um, yeah, I, when I heard that, I kind of felt like, damn, like I, I even looked at myself a little bit differently. Like, because that was, they, a lot of that stuff was done when I was um, in LA and I was doing like, you know, like production music for. for TV show. It, it was just like a whole different era, but I, I saw where a lot of the development came from. I, I think that's what I saw. When I heard that, I was like, damn, like, Trevor Green is a, a powerful situation. You know what I'm saying? Because this is like you hear all the development over the past, you know, however many years that stuff might span. I know for mine was from 11, 12, you know, on and on and on. So I was just like, you know, it just, again, everything for me on this journey so far, I've been like, yeah, this is it. Just keep going. Like, you're doing all the right things. And when I heard that, I was like, I was really impressed with the group. 
from an objective standpoint, you know what I'm saying? And I saw, I saw a lot of kind of commercial potential in it right there too, you know, cause I knew I was like, wow, this is nothing like really what's on the album, but it's all legit. You know what I'm saying? So it was, it was, yeah, it was a trip listening to that. Yeah, that, that too, to reiterate, like our, I don't know our style. So being an underground artist, right? Quote unquote, I think people expect to hear a certain sound from us, especially. And, and I, I think it's refreshing though. Like, so I think somebody had quoted and called us, um, like a feel good hip hop group, like a, like, and I respect it, like, because it's not all about the grind. We can do that with our eyes closed. We can literally, I could bang on the table, you know, you know make an organic baseline, and we could do that. And we could throw a thousand of those out. How do you get to the next level with integrity? You know what I'm saying? And that's what that's what sport of the guys is. Like that from that mixtape, like GA said, you heard the potential, and those was years before. Then you get to you get to the area of sport of the gods, and then we take you through, you know, laughing at you. That's a darker sounding, but the chorus got potential. The concept got potential to take you over the hump. Even the last song, sport of the gods, like I think it's just way before time. I think it's just one of those records that you know the, the tempo might not be ready for today, but because you know we at seventy seven right now. But when it gets to that point and people listen back, they're going to be like, and, and that's what we've been getting a lot. It's, it's more awareness. Like people have, have, they know about us, but they're not really pressing play, you know, right now. So but when they press play, the reaction is, oh, and it, it's funny, like we do interviews and then we're realizing that these people are just hearing the record. It's, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's that, like having mm-hmm. conversation. So it's really about, the awareness, but we definitely know, we definitely know what's going on confidently. You know what I'm saying? Not, not, not to be conceited or anything, but we know the caliber of music we, we do make and the potential, you know, of, of what's to come. Like we're already well into the next joint. So we, we know what, what, what's to come. No doubt. That's awesome. And Becca, we still have that song with Sky Zoo and Superstition in the stash with, uh, with Unlearn. We 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 got we got throw GA on it. Every everything is shot like a grab. <laughs> we throw GA on it. We put it out. There we go, man. Yeah, yeah let's do it. So, <clears throat> so how do you guys look at where the Tribeca Grand stuff fits in your catalogs, and just what it, what it means to both of you to have this collaborative project to your name? Mm. It's funny for me. I you know. I almost don't even know who Grand Agent is anymore. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like I just I just needed this. You know what I'm saying? Like it's been so for a lot of years. I was like, I gotta because you know how I felt about uh, not myself as an artist, but like you know when you in this business, like you dealing with a brand, you dealing with brand perception, and you. And I just felt for a few years, like, like we always talking about getting over the hump, you know, it's like, I feel like Grand Agent as a, 
brain kind of stalled a little bit in getting over the hump. And um, Or I think people look to a certain point like um, they got by design. They got this first album. Maybe they got the second one. Or they know me from this song with Pete Rock. And then that's it. You know, and it's like, it's a tough, tough thing to... Um, like, uh, like, like, even now. But this is this is to my point because what we're not getting now is like resistance to something new. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like if I came with another Grand Asian album, it would have been like fighting against people who just want to hear the first album. You know what I'm saying? So it's like right. I look at it like a very successful reinvention, which is fucking hard to achieve without a billion-dollar rollout. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause you could come out with some shit and just tell motherfuckers the story, and they got to deal with it. You know what I'm saying? But, like, we've achieved that with just coming out of our bedrooms, man, with some shit that we just came up with and fucking just bouncing ideas off back and forth from the cover to the logo to the fucking trophy to, like, we reinvented our shit on a shoestring budget and the fucking shit is working. You know what I'm saying? So I don't even think about Grand Asia no more as a as a brand. You know what I mean? I'm just like a dude in a group now. So that's how I'm living for the next, you know, till whenever, for the foreseeable future. So that shit means a lot to me because I wouldn't even really, I don't say I wouldn't be doing the shit. I would do it, but being obligated to somebody else kind of make me, all right, you know, because like even now it's like songs I'm I'm just sitting on because I'm doing other shit, but it's like I know, okay, at some point I got to make some time. I got to finish these songs. I got to do X, Y, and Z. So it just gave me an agenda and it gave me a new reason for doing the shit. You know what I'm saying? So it means a lot to me because I, I don't know really what I would be doing um, if not for this. You know what I'm saying? Right, I think, I think too. I mean, it's, it's, I'll, I'll always put it out there just so people know the seriousness of it. Like, so you know, we met um, 2004 and so we built there. Years passed, and it, it pretty much led us to, to 2017. I want to say like um, September 2017, where we kind of looked back and then had a conversation. And then Take a Knee was born. And I'm just trying to run through it real quick. Take a Knee was born. It had success. Um, you know, GA helped, helped fund it. We got into the situation where we we didn't want to do the collaborative, just like, yo, it's Tribeca and Grand Agent. Nah, we're Tribeca and Grand. We're actually on paper as a group. You know what I'm saying? Like, the world had to fully understand that, you know, in, in comparison to, to the groups like, uh, you know, Mom D. Or, or some of your favorite EPMD where, you know, a producer, rapper, and a, another MC, and the combination just works so well. That's what we're looking forward to. That's what we're doing now versus, like, yo, I'm just going to get with this cat and we're going to record a couple of joints and then, you know, we go back off. Like, this kind of, I got 10 albums with 10 different people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it kind of now put us in a knot like, oh yeah, everything is to the sideline because this was immediate success. But the it, it wasn't overnight. Like 
It's just been rolling as if it was supposed to be this way. But again, we met in 2004. We put out a joint. When we put out one single, then we did the we did the collaborative. I, I give a beat, he give a rhyme. We did that. You know, the label situation was always on deck. We now shelter on Pat Gary, who represents us as management. So it's been rolling as if this is exactly how it was supposed to go. Like, it's like you said, it's just, ah, yeah, it's working, so let's keep going. You know what I'm saying? To the point where you know it has it got to be some type of commitment, and we did that. We say, like, well, let's, let's just put it down, and let's keep rolling as far as I can grant. And I think in any situation um, where a relationship is working, that's what you do. You just you keep it going. It starts developing ideas, brands. And, and you just start brand, branching out to the world. And I believe we're in, um, I think me and G.A. just had a conversation, like, you know, we talk about the first record from the album, Taking Me, that was October, you know, of last year. So we're still within the year of us just giving our all to something, you know what I'm saying? And and seeing the success of that, so, you know, it's going to be, we're going to double up, we're going to do it again and keep it rolling until until it's time, you know? I'm happy, yeah. to, happy to hear that. So you've both been around for, you know, a while now looking at going, you know, 18 years plus in the game, if I'm not mistaken, for both of you, right? Somewhere around there? Shit, yeah, for sure. At least, right? For sure. Um, what's your um, secret to longevity? Uh, you just, I mean, you know, like I just said in the previous question, um, it gotta be some drive there, you know what I'm saying? And that comes from different sources at different times, you know, um, my, the first record I put out was 1997, you know what I mean? I was in another group out of Philly called Name. And I just been from there, you know, I always made a choice, like, I'm going to just go where the music take me, you know. That's how I ended up going to L.A. You know, I had an offer to come out there and do something. That turned into the Germany thing. I'm like, all right, I guess I'll go to Germany, you know. So I just follow where the music lead me, you know what I'm saying. And this is just the one instance where um, I got to where I was going and then the music was there waiting for me. You know, I mean, I'm from Philly. <clears throat> I live right outside of New York now, and I just came back here from um, from L.A. I had been in L.A. for seven years, came back in 2016. So this was the first time where I kind of moved out of sync with the music. I kind of moved on some, you know, life decisions and then just got here, and the music was still waiting for me. So... I, you know, my, my thing is like, I can't, um, I can't fabricate the feeling or the drive or the, all I could do is, is answer the call. You know what I'm saying? So as long as something presents itself and I'm like, all right, I could do this. I could see this. Um, I could see myself getting through this process and this shit seemed fun. It seemed like, oh, I would like to see what this look like or sound like. You know, as long as that's going on, I mean, you could call that longevity, but I guess it's just, it's inspiration, you know? It's, um, 
it, it really starts with, with being inspired, you know. So if if you're not inspired, ain't going to be no longevity because, with, you know, how are you going to get through something, something that could be as grueling as this process without the inspiration, you know what I mean? So yeah. that's follow, follow the follow the inspiration. That would be my answer to, to longevity, you know. <clears throat> I, I would add uh, definitely that. I would add, you know, just stay true. Like stay true. Yeah. Stay true to what you believe in. Without, without. Of course, there's um, there's compromise, right? But you know, once you sell your soul, you can't buy it back. So, you know, if you ain't investing, I hope <laughs> that money that you, you you sold it for, if you didn't invest it, you ain't gonna have no more when it's done. So. No, stay tuned, man, uh, and, and that'll, that'll take you through the years some way, somehow. <laughs>